welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast from TheMediaBias.com. Today, it's just me and TJ. I'm moving away because I realized I was shouting into the microphone. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Let's talk about what we watched. We okay. watched a bunch of stuff since last time we did a watch list. And um, let's, let's... I think we're really going to take turns this time, right? We have a list? Yeah. We got down the list. We, we doubled up on a few things. Yeah, and I'm, I'm grouping a bunch of mine because I've seen like... 14 movies since the last watch list. I know you've seen a similar amount, but just have, uh, they're just more effective at editing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we can get started. Um, I know you've got a couple of movies that, uh, we both have movies that the other has previously seen and has talked about on the podcast. Yeah. So we'll hit those. Yeah, uh, let me let me hit my documentaries first. Cool. Because on the last watch list, not the last podcast, uh, we went documentary crazy. So much so that I lost my mind and posted a 5,000 word article about where to find <laughs> all these documentaries. Mainly because we had all watched Bounty the Gap and David had gone ham. Yeah. And watched a few other. Yeah, so I watched Crime and Punishment, Mining the Gap, and Shirkers. So, how uh, was how was Crime and Punishment? Did you Crime and Punishment was good. Um, kind of agree with David's take. Yeah, it's nothing. It's 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 not. What is exceptional about Crime and Punishment are the cops and their stories, and not necessarily the story itself. I mean, it is the man against the system. The system is inherently racist. Like Sounds you kind of like the what was the short doc? I don't want the short. I don't think. Um, 13th? The Too Big to Fail documentary. Oh. Yeah. Where the story's kind of like, meh, but that little, those characters were so fun. Not fun, but. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's the same. And the characters really aren't that interesting. Uh, it's really just their, their mission. Um, and the nefarious ways that the NYPD uh, keeps them suppressed. Okay. Um, they're the interesting parts of it. Um, I was much higher on Mining the Gap and Shirkers. I'll do Shirkers since you like Mining the Gap so much more. Uh, Shirkers is crazy. Uh, I, what's the... Shirkers, it's the, uh, the, uh, woman in Singapore, not Singapore, in Indonesia. Okay. And she is making a film with her friends and the, uh, film school, not film school, but the teacher who taught film agrees to direct it and then basically disappears with all of the footage and sound and everything before the movie comes out, after it received a ton of buzz. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it is... They were they were making this, like, ethereal, like... Uh, like, avant-garde road movie. Uh-huh. And... It disappeared with this guy who was a mystery of his own, who, like, deliberately misled people and thought that the legend of a person was more important than the person themselves... More important than the truth, more important than anything. Uh-huh. And so he was just like a, basically like a figment of everyone's imagination. So the movie's about them making this, the buzz around it, and how they were like, they were they were kind of fam- famous in the, uh, like in the zine scene. Um, like writing for like some international publications um, about like punk music and stuff and the punk, punk aesthetic. Um, 
kind of like mildly famous for like these like collages they would do with like newspaper clippings, images, and phrases. Um, and then this this guy disappears with their their movie, and so it's, it's you know no spoilers because it's in the movie, but uh, you know so it's interspersed with uh, shots from their crazy movie, um, and it's just it's just wild. It is it is a great ride, um, and I think David undersold it a little bit in just how like bizarre the whole set of facts is. Fun. So yeah, Sea Shirkers it's on Netflix. Sweet. And then Mining the Gap, I loved. Your favorite of the three, yeah. Favorite of the three. It's 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 close with Shirkers. Yeah, I'm 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 I lean more Cassandra than you do with right. like I want crazy shit. Right. Um, but Mind of the Gap is really good. It's so heartfelt and honest, and there's just so many conversations that Zach and Kiri and Bang have that are just like gunt wrenching because I, I really do think that Bang tried to try to keep himself out of the role of friend and into the role of auteur director yeah, and interviewer. Yeah. yeah. And you know it hurts him to ask these questions, but like for the story that's being built, he has to. Right. Um, you know, tries to keep himself out of the documentary for as long as possible. And then finally, like, in he realizes he's the third piece. Yeah. yeah. It interviews his mom and, and then in, uh, talks to Zach and is like, hey, you know, like, like, abuse is fucking real. I'm spoiling it now that we've all seen it. Yeah. Um, it's like, all Hulu. It's free to watch. Yeah. So. Abuse is super real. And you know that, like, I went through it. Like, like, what do you think your role is, like, if you are, like, abusive to Zach? And Zach, like, really has to ponder the question of, like, if he deserves to be, it's kind of like Star is Born. If he deserves to be, like, in the same realm with these people that he supposedly loves. Right. It's just a really cool kind of existential crisis that unfolds with him. Um, anyway, Kiri's phenomenal. Yeah. He's like one of my favorite characters of the year. Yeah. I, I want this movie to get nominated for Best Documentary because I want to see Kiri at the fucking Oscars. Yeah. Like, what are what are rags to riches? Even, like, top row, back. Yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. You know, I want to see Kevin Hart, not Kevin Hart. Uh, oh, hello, not John right. Mulaney. <laughs> Nick Kroll, which I guess we'll talk about in the news section. Yeah. Um, I want to see them at the Oscars because, like, dude had to lock his bedroom door from his brother who would steal money from him. Right. From her, his mom's boyfriends. And by the end of it, moves out, gets a job, and is, like, hope, hopefully still killing it. Yeah. My big thing with Night in the Gap was, uh, it was the first documentary I've ever seen where I thought the filmmaking, the camera work, was impressive. But the tracking shots of them, especially the, the intro, skating through Rockford. Yeah, Rockford, Illinois. Uh, so pretty. Yeah. And they seem to be pretty good at skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, shit. They talk about... Oh, yeah, because Kiri gets sponsored at the end. He gets sponsored by, by skate companies. Oh, really? That's one of like the postscripts oh, uh, nice. when the credits are rolling. So, like, Kiri's, like, a legitimately good skateboarder. Yeah. Um, maybe not, like, you know, on the huge X Games scale, but he's he's a legitimately good skateboarder. Right. Um, so. I assume there's a ton of money in skating now in, like, YouTube, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be on TV anymore. Yeah. If it gives you any, not that it is a, a good place for the pulse or else, like, people would all be, like, investing in swords. Um, but there are three uh, skateboarding video games coming out this upcoming year. So, oh, nice. Might might see an uptick in some good grungy skateboarding shit. Cool. Yeah, but so that's a four for four from Talking Talk for Mining the Gap. Um, yeah, wildly recommend it. 
Yeah, Brent had a comment. It was, uh, like, if it doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I'm going to consider, like, reconsider my love for the Academy Awards. Because <laughs> I don't know why the hell there could be five better dogs. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I really think that Shirkers should get nominated. Shirkers is so good. It's so fucking just bizarre. I, b- bizarre in, like, a... Uh, in both a filmmaking, like, editing way, because these are, like, avant-garde, like, punk rock women who put together this avant-garde punk rock movie and who are now, like, older. Like, one of them is is the uh, the chair for film studies at Vassar now. Oh, wow. So, like, to tell you, like, how talented they are. Yeah, they're, like, real deal. Yeah. yeah. And they have interviews with people who are, like, yeah, I, I wrote for the Rolling Stone for, like, local movies in Southeast Asia, and we were covering Shirkers. Like, oh, so there was like, there was honest buzz about this movie that disappeared. Um, but it's just, it's, it's crazy in the fact pattern and it's crazy in the like editing and cinematography and everything. Nice. But yeah, so those are my overlaps that we previously talked about. Um, there's some bad movies I want to talk about later, but I want to hear your thoughts about a couple that I've seen and talked about previously. What's that? (laughs) The Guilty? Yeah, guilty. Guilty. You were never really here in searching. I hear you watched recently. I did watch all those. Um, <clears throat> the Guilty vaulted into my top ten for the year. After watching it, it is such a fun movie. Uh, I love the like minimalist aspect of films when they can get away with that. Yeah, and that this does it too. I mean, it's in the same two rooms for the whole movie. Yeah, it's basically a, <clears throat> a continuous series of tight shots on the guy's face on the phone with a headset in. Yeah. Um, and I love a twist ending that is kind of irrelevant slash relevant. Like, yeah, it's not. It's earned. Yeah, yeah. And you know, fast forward a few because I do want to talk about this some because I know we have a few listeners who've seen it. So I don't just want to like vague talk about it, but it was so interesting to me that that was. So he's on trial. Yes. something and you don't really know what. Right. But he fucked up something. Yeah. And you don't even know if it's like work related. Well, I guess you kind of do because he's not he's a cop anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He's been demoted, I guess you would say, yeah. to like a 911 operator. Yeah. Um, but that his like go get him attitude and like really just being kind of bad at his job sometimes like maybe led to more, like could have led to more death. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And that twist isn't like, oh, this story that you were trying to unfold the whole time is actually this. It's like, oh, it's just him fucking up more. Right. Like. He's he's trying to be super cop. Right. And his, like, overreach to, to, to get there is what is causing some of these problems on the phone with the callers. Right. And, and you get that at the end when he's like, you know, pull up the brake. And, like, man, he could have killed the guy who was just trying to take this crazy-ass woman back to the mental hospital or whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, it was so good. Uh, And the thing that this movie does that I enjoy, too, is my favorite part of reading horror or thrillers is the imagination's always better than it can be portrayed on screen. Yeah. And when you get that scene where the cop, his partner, is walking through the house talking to the girl who's covered in blood, and he's like, check the pulse on the baby, and they're just like, the baby's in pieces. Yeah. Like that's horrifying. Yeah, he's like, he's like check check the pulse. He's like I'm not I I, I the the baby's dead. Like, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, he just like refuses to, and like Andres doesn't understand. Yeah, 
And it's so creepy at the end when she's just like, I got the snakes out of them. Yeah. It's like, ugh. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I guess obviously now we're talking to people that have already seen it, so I'm not going to recommend you go see it, but... Uh, Tell people that you know to yeah, see it. Spread the word, and it's cemented in my top ten. I can't see how it get knocked out. It was just super fun. Yeah, it's eighty minutes long. Yep, it's an easy watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I paid like four bucks to rent it. It was well worth it. Uh, I saw Searching, <clears throat> which I was really excited about from the first trailer. Yeah, um, love that kind of filmmaking. That's just like new and fun. Yeah. Um, let's let's do some 21st century filmmaking. Yeah. And, I mean, it missed some on that. Sure. It's so hard to do. I mean, the difficulty was so high. Yeah. Um, and I did think that uh, Dana... What's her name? From Will and Grace. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing. Was kind of bad in it at times. Yeah. But uh, John Cho was phenomenal. John Cho's really good. Yeah, the, you know the the parts that his daughter's in is, is good. Yeah, um, it's 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 a fun kind of roller coaster because it's. I, I hate using the word twist because I don't think that 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 really fully, um, explains a good plot turn. But it is a it's shorthand. But it there there is a nice up and down kind of constantly of. Um, like it's, it's every turn that like is leads to more hope, less hope, more hope, less hope. It's there, there. There's more motion in the plot than I thought there would be with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they definitely sell you. There's a great red herring. Yeah, that clues were planted early mm-hmm. for a good movie watcher to be like. Oh, I bet it's I bet it's this. Yeah. And then it's that, and you're like, okay, I saw that coming. But yeah. then it's not that. And right. that was fun. That was a good little little mechanic they used. Yeah. It was just the brother being like he was like, Is that oregano? when he's like video chatting with him? And he's like, Oh shit. And it's like, okay. Yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to remember that. Right. Um and they did some of that with the Deborah Messing shit too. Yeah. But it was it was it was <clears throat> super again, worth the like five bucks I spent to rent it and watch it. Yeah. It was it was fun. And then you saw uh, the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we went on like a, a movie bender that day. Yeah. We watched Tully, which I'll talk about later. We watched um, You Were Never Really Here. And I watched Mowgli, which we'll talk about later. Cass did not watch Mowgli. I, I stopped on Mowgli after You Were Never Really Here. And she goes, I have zero interest in watching that movie. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll I'll put it on the thing for later. You Were Never Really Here was great. I uh, loved it. It's like French top ten for me probably this year. Um, I think Joaquin Phoenix probably has a top five performance that I've, of movies I've seen. Yeah. Um, he was great. And the, like... House on Haunted Hill storytelling style when he rescues her the first time is so fun. Yeah. And it's that... What I'm talking about, there's a scene where he's going in to get this girl from like a... Pretty much a... Child farm. In. Yeah. And um, you're watching it through like uh, security cameras and it's doing that thing where it'll be like, here's hallway one. Here's hallway two. 
here's room three, like whatever. Like so, so you'll see him walking down a hall, and you never actually see the violence. Yeah, but like you'll see a guy standing in a hall. You'll see him walking down the other end of a hall, and then it goes to like other rooms that are empty. And then by the time it comes back, there's just a pool of blood of the guy with a dent in his head. Yeah, and he's gone, and he's just going through with a fucking ball peen hammer and going to fucking town. I mean, some of that reminded me of um. Old the boy. original old boy, yeah, yeah, um, with that hammer scene, yep. But it was really good. He's so good. I thought the girl was super creepy and good. Yeah, um, the effects on some of the gore were really fun and good. I mean the the governor at the end. Oh was yeah, fucking gross as shit. Um, Is this this movie almost plays like a an anti-fun prequel to, like, Leon the Professional, where, like, it ends... Like, you have no idea what's going to happen after the movie, after the, like, nope. after the credits are rolled, you no fucking clue. Yeah, because it does, it does just abruptly just, like, end. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like, yeah, she talks about a suicide, kind of for the second time, technically, yeah. and that's all you know. Yeah. Um, I guess the first time she does, but only kind of as a memory. Right. To him. Um, but the dream scene at the end, the daydream scene, was just ballsy, too, and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was a super fun movie. Another, like, 80-minute watch. I know me and Chris are both like, oh, shit, if you can do it in 90 minutes, I'm on board. Yeah. So. I favor efficiency. Um, Brent's favorite scene, and he called it out when I talked about it last, um, the, uh, when he's laying down in the kitchen in his own house with the other hitman. Yeah. And they kind of just, like, talk shop for a little bit. Yeah. I really like that. That's Brent said it's his favorite acting out of a like a like a side role. Oh yeah, but that was neat. Yeah, that was that was fun. His house was super cool. The production design was really good in that movie too. Mm-hmm. The old shitty house. His relationship with his mom was nuts. Yeah. Um. Also got some like leftovers feel, and mm-hmm. that of him just like loving, almost killing himself yeah. over and over again. Um, but yeah, I would uh, definitely recommend You're Never Really Here. I don't think it's going to get any awards buzz, but yeah. it would, uh, I don't know. It was a spirit nom. That's why I watched it. Brain yeah. earlier in the year, so. And, and Phoenix is just, I mean, he was, a, we are, we all knew he was a great actor, but oh yeah, he kills it. Um, so I want to shift back and I, I want to just kind of clear the slate of movies that I didn't think are good and I don't want to talk about at length. And I don't care if anyone else sees them and wants to talk about them. I just want to get rid of them. Um, this is basically motivated by what's available and or highly rated. Um, are there by Metacritic, by like Fandango, by Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. And they're on Netflix and I just wanted to like just see what the buzz was about. Yeah. So I watched four movies. All from wildly different genres. Okay. Uh, I watched The Princess Switch. The Vanessa Hudgens horror Christmas, not Christmas movie. <laughs> I watched The Night Comes for Us, which is a uh, martial arts movie. Okay. Um, I watched Dumplin', Dolly Parton's, uh, not Dolly Parton's, <laughs> but movie about a girl who idolizes Dolly Parton and enters a beauty pageant. Jennifer Aniston, right? Jennifer Aniston, yeah. She kind of the like villainish in that sort of. Uh, I mean, in the way that the most villainous. A lead character would be in that in, movie? in the way that Mahershala is a villain in Moonlight. Okay, like is is she is the person who isn't giving Dumplin any respect um, for unknown reasons, and Dumplin earns it unintentionally. Okay. Um, 
And I also saw the movie Cam. And I saw Jurassic Park Forgotten Kingdom, but I feel like that's pretty pretty well-tread ground, talking shit about that movie. Yeah, and I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. Well, I, I want to... Since you want to skip that, let me ask you the one thing yeah. about that movie that I wanna, I'm want i curious about. Did you think the, like... Because that's a horror director. Right. Did you think the, like, scary scenes were cooler than, like, other Jurassic Park scary scenes? Yeah. Not better, necessarily, but just, like, more interesting. I thought the dinosaur walking down the alleyway with a fire was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, it was it was a neat little scare. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that. Um, I just... If, if the way... Because they're going to keep making them, because they make a ton of money. Yeah. But if, if the way that franchise is going is they just make crazier and crazier dinosaurs, then I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over that. But it sounds like that's kind of done now, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what they'll do next, but it sounds like it's just going to be like dinosaurs in the States. Yeah. Which, you know, that... I'll go okay, see it, but... Yeah. I just... I'm... I'm so, yeah. I, I, I just don't have a lot of patience for more like, well, now... This one can open doors, and it can, like, blow you kisses. Like, I just think, like, whatever the added feature is, like, and now it's got, like, a sword. <laughs> <laughs> They're already, like, the, the Ankylosaurus is already, like, a tank. An actual tank. Right. With a club for a tail. <laughs> oh, that was yours when you were a kid, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, there's a, oh, this one was really good for David and I, because it had our two favorite dinosaurs, because we were weird. David liked the... Cephalodon, whatever it's called, the one with the like the dome on its head. Oh yeah, um, which horrible scene. Then breaking out of the cell by tricking him into oh, yeah. slamming into the wall, <laughs> and then Ankylosaurus. But anyway, there's that. Just briefly, Princess Switch is exactly what you'd expect. <laughs> it's saccharine and it's awful. Um, the night comes for us is hyper violent. Uh, it's a. a Chinese uh, martial arts movie, um, triad stuff, like really, really violent, like violence turned up to eleven, super gory, super bloody. Okay, um, kind of a like fell in with the wrong, uh, <clears throat> like tried to leave the mafia at the wrong time, and now the mafia is all coming to descend on them because they're not allowed to leave. Okay, um, so it's just like. Famous assassin, famous assassin, famous assassin, famous assassin, and right. they just like kind of go through it like thirty six chambers style, um, <clears throat> and then uh, Dumplin is it's okay at best. Okay, um, lead actress is good, but it's it's not <clears throat> it's not funny enough to get away with the camp, and it's not campy enough to be fun. Yeah, I follow. Yeah, I just. Mm. I don't know. It's they 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 played drag as a joke a little too hard, um, and just like you know, oh, these people who are like have uh, like the affected gay stereotype speech, like saying like, oh, she's so fierce. Like that's not a that's not a punchline for me. Like that right. doesn't that doesn't go all the way the sure. way that I think that they want it to. Um, but. Probably great for people age like ten to fourteen, which I think is the target. Um, okay, I figured it'd be a little darker than that. No, there's no darkness. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's only light. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's my slate of bad movies. I just needed to exercise those demons. I've got one bad movie. Yeah. 
I did pretty good for watching so many movies. I got one bad movie. Yeah. And I really wanted to like this. I've been so excited for it. I was honestly more excited for it than I was the Disney Jungle Book that came out two years ago. But I watched Mowgli, which is now a Netflix movie. Uh, and it got pushed there for obvious reasons once you watch it. Hmm. Uh, oddly, the one of the worst things about it is the mocap in CGI, though. It's unbelievable that Andy Serkis can direct a mocap heavy movie. He assumed that would be the like thing it could hang its hat on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if there was a part of his direction and his everything where he was like, okay, here are the things I hate that happens with mocap. Let's not do them. Let's like reduce the rigor a little bit. And that affected the quality. I wonder if he couldn't afford the good mocap. I can't remember their name right now, but like the high-end mocap studio that gets used for everything. I wonder yeah. if they just didn't have the budget for that. And he was like, I've got me and Benedict Cumberbatch. I'll be fine. Right. Like we're mocap like originators. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, uh, I mean, I think Cumberbatch's mocap work in the Hobbit movies are some yeah. of the best parts of the Hobbit movies. Yeah. It's him a small smog. <laughs> but, um, the highlights are the voice acting, though. Circus is great as Baloo. Benedict Cumberbatch is Shere Khan. And Christian Bale is phenomenal as Bayerga. Um, it's a different story. So if you like know the Jungle Book characters but don't want to see the same thing again, you can check it out. But it's a two and a half star movie. It's not that good. Um, the tiger looks broken. Yeah, it looks like uh, it looks like they made it with those like kindergarten things where it's like here's a bunch of shapes, make an animal, uh, like testing you for like <clears throat> how creative you are. Yeah, and it's like, well, you put the like you're creative, you put the right size blocks in the right places, but it's still not a tiger. <laughs> it's a block animal. Yeah, it's not like what is the what is that like English town who. Uh, Wanted had heard about lions, but had never seen one, and wanted it on their flag, and so they have this like really bizarre looking lion. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there they sounded cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, it's it's a recommend only if you're like obsessed with really like the Roger Kipling book and not even like the original Jungle Book stuff because yeah. it's super dark. There's no music. <clears throat> yeah, I asked you if there was music, and you said no, and I went, well, now I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm going to watch it anyway. So. Yeah. I don't listen to our recommendations. It's on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a media black hole. But, yeah, it's, it's... The thing I guess you wouldn't know is it's it's almost too dark for its own good. And you might not know that from, like, just word of mouth in the trailers. Hmm. But that was the only thing I saw that would fit in the... The bad movie category? Yeah. Well, I've got some, uh... Some, uh, animated... And we can start with one we both saw. I saw three animated movies. I'm, I think I, cl- I cleared out what are probably going to be the five nominated uh, by watching three of these. But TJ and I, we went yesterday and we saw uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Best animated movie I've seen this year. I think so, too. I'm kind of on the fence, but uh, between it and another one I saw. But holy shit. Just like take away the movie, take away the jokes, take away everything. If it's just on animation, oh, it's so good. It's so cool. Yeah, like this is it's giving me like Kubo vibes, where I feel like we're gonna be at the back of the room going remember Spider Verse. Yeah, when people are talking about like the best animated movies of the year, right? Uh, yeah, it's not it's not that good. It's not Kubo good. No, but the things it does and the blending of all the animation styles and just like. Just the, like the the singularity shit they do, with the like the whole final act, yeah, is just so cool. Yeah, and without spoiling anything, because yeah. it's a movie just dropped. Um, I 
there's a character who is becoming Spider-Man through the, the way that they all do. He's getting bit by a spider. And there's a drastic change in the animation style when he becomes Spider-Man. Yeah. It becomes more like a comic book to the point where there are like word blocks on the screen, yeah. which is fucking so clever. Yeah. Um, and they reference it, which is even more fun. Yeah. Where he's like, why is my voice in my head all of a sudden way louder? Yeah. <laughs> Just so clever and fun. Uh, they make fun of the previous Spider-Man movies incredibly well. Uh, they are great jokes. They make fun of Spider-Man Three and the whole like emo Peter animated to perfection. Yeah, uh, it looks like you're watching that movie. Oh yeah. Um, um, they clearly could not get a sign off for Tobey Maguire, so they'd use yeah. Spider-Man in the Spider-Man suit. Uh, and they make fun of the like, why does Spider-Man keep getting rebooted? The same way. Why are we told about it for yeah. an hour long of every movie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the first line of the movie is probably like, I'm Spider-Man, and you know how I came to be. We're it's, not going to go through that again. It's, it's and for the final time, right. <laughs> here's how it all started. And just like runs through really quickly, like yeah. the origin story, and then apologizes for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't talk about Spider-Man 3. Yeah. <laughs> from and the then movie. this happened, and we don't really talk about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's 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 really it's it's not like a particularly interesting plot. I, I don't think that's what you're there for either, though. No, I mean I think you have a good villain in Pinhead. It's a great villain Kingpin. to pull. Kingpin, sorry, yeah. a great villain to pull. A great from villain the... out of Matt Pinfield. <laughs> Pinhead in that movie, it's fucking horrifying. <laughs> It would fit with the movie. I guess. It's like, I have this box to open the hell dimension. It's like, well, I'm, we've got like a bunch of Spider-Mans. You got like black leather Spider-Man though? Is that one? King like Spider-Man? Spider-Man. He's got a tube in his mouth. He, he doesn't shoot webs. He just shoots like whips. Um, he's a good villain to pull from that universe though for this. Yeah. Because um, you can make him look so comical. Yeah. Um... And, like, yeah, Doc Ock's in it, too, and it's fun. Yeah. They do a good job, and they have, but the star is the animation. Yes. It is. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you got a few characters that I've where I think the voice acting is, is really good. Uh, tops on that list for me is Nick Cage. Nick Cage is great. Uh, Haley Steinfeld is Gwen Stacy's really good. That was probably my favorite character. Spider-Gwen yeah. was really good in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, look, John Mulaney... Like plays plays that perfect. This is a perfect voice casting. Yeah, for Peter Porker. Yeah, um, and then the two real life Spider Mans were good. Yeah, Just John Krasinski and I can't Jake Johnson. Okay, um, Jake Johnson definitely with a bigger role. Yeah, but that 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 Spider Man that real life real life version of Peter Parker. Yeah, was so fun. Yeah. He was a great like it's because. Spider Man's always a kid, so it's fun being like, what is what what happens when Spider Man like hits forty? Yeah. Here's yeah. Here's it was. It's here's twenty seven year old Spider Man, midlife crisis Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Sweatpants Spider Man, mm-hmm. or as they call him in the movie, Peter B. Parker. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely recommend going to see that. It goes uh, go some like that's one of those movies where I want to be like go support it, like go see it in the yeah. theater because you, you will you will laugh. There it is. It is really funny. And Cassandra laughed out loud multiple times. Yeah, she doesn't do that, and still still keeps like a coherent like adult not adult plot, but you know what I mean. Um, without being like too uh, low hanging, there's a the the only part of the movie. I mean, it had did. I think me and you have talked. It had some pacing issues. Yeah. at times, and it had the uh, the big like thing that makes him like 
that makes the main character kind of consider. It makes him go down on himself. <laughs> it makes him uh, like look look down on on his life and what what happens. That felt real pushed. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little. Uh, I didn't know why that character was in the movie. Yeah, really. And, and then that whole relationship and the up and down with it is a little cheesy. Yeah. And I think I think that's what's sold for kids. Like the, you got you got to sneak like a moral in there somewhere if you're doing a animated well, comic book movie. Yeah, we could edit this out, or you could just like hit the skip ahead fifteen seconds button. But it was weird when they were like, you know, that path he went down. You don't want to end up like him, and you never get an answer to that. It's like, is the path that he's a super villain? <laughs> because I feel like you should do something about that, police officer. <laughs> yeah, like because. He forecasts really early on, and like the guy's still living like well within his means. Like, I get that he owns an apartment in New York City with like crazy there wasn't like, any, sound like, equipment, drug suggestions, or anything. Nope, there wasn't any suggestions. He's an engineer, like a successful one. Yeah. So like, what's the path? Like, do you know he's a supervillain? <laughs> and you're not doing anything about yeah. it because you seem surprised when you find out, <laughs> right? Just, so that whole thing felt a little weird. Yeah. But go see it. Still, and I'm gonna say by far only because I haven't seen. Marai, yeah, and uh, I think Incredibles two and Allied Dogs were a, a couple of notches down from what I expected them to be, mm-hmm. um, and this was better than I expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Hmm. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that it's four and a half star movie, and Homecoming wasn't five. Yeah, so it's in the conversation, right? Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to say. It's good. I'll, I'll clear the slate real quick. I saw Ralph Breaks the Internet, Ragged Ralph 2, um, and Mirai, uh, since we last watched, listed. The story for Mirai is super interesting to me. Like, I like the idea of it. Yeah. So, so if, if I know the idea of it. Yeah. So the story of Mirai is it's a four-year-old boy uh, living with his parents in this bizarre house because dad's an architect. Um, and in the middle is this, is this tree in, in their garden. Um, and that's kind of like a, um, this, like this garden, like fantastical things happen. And the whole plot surrounds, um, uh, the, the kid's mom is pregnant and it's all about welcoming, uh, his, his sister into the house and like all the changes that are going on with it. Okay. Um, and that is like the... Uh, exposition kind of comes out through these fantastic scenarios. Um, you know, like there's a dog who, when he's in the garden playing, like pretend is like a person and like his sister from the future shows up and like, Oh, all that, so that seemed like the main plot according to the trailer. Is it not? No, it's, it's really more grounded than that. Okay. Um, it's if, if there is a message to the movie, it is that everything that is your family, whether directly or indirectly, makes you who you are, um, either by example or repulsion. Um, and so it kind of talks about, it's like... Japanese yeah. <laughs> theme. And, and it, and it kind of it, it goes through, like, all these, like, various members from the extended family and, like, kind of like the myths we build around people. Like, everyone's got their, like, has asked their parents or knows how their parents met. And then, you know, goes explores that and like the real story behind it versus what's been told over and over and over and changed and morphed. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, it's really neat. Um, it's funny. It's, it's as someone who doesn't watch a lot of anime, but who watches the most on the podcast, it is very anime. Yeah. It looks very anime. 
Um, so that might repel you, but it is it is cute, it is heartwarming, and it's a fun movie. Sweet. Yeah, I'll definitely want to check it out and probably will need to because it's probably going to be the fifth end. Probably. Um, so yeah, so I also watched uh, uh, Regarov 2, Rough Breaks the Internet. Um, it's good. It fails to capture the magic and the fun that was the first Record Ralph movie. Yeah, you can't you can't rebuild that universe. I mean, that was I'm I will never forget watching that movie for the first time and being like ugh, like AA for video game villains. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um it's it's really cool. Um you know, the So it's 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 exactly what the title suggests. Uh Vanellope von Schweetz and Ralph are in the internet. Um, as we know it, and they go to different websites, and it's kind of a similar thing to like going to different arcade games, but this time it's websites. Do their like video games get like loaded into like modules or something? They have to go replace a part uh, for one of their games uh, okay. uh, at the arcade because it's because uh, it broke for whatever reason, and they're sure. gonna get rid of the machine. Okay, um, <clears throat> so. The so that's kind of fun, and really the best part is they go to Oh My Disney, which is a big website that's uh, got like quizzes for like young people. Yeah, and it it you know it's 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 basically all in the trailer, but Vanellope von Schweetz basically like doing princess counseling, saying like what happened, to you guys? Like I'm a Disney princess, and like or I'm a, I'm a princess too, and like going through that is yeah. really fun. I've seen some of those uh, like stills. From that scene. Yeah. We're having like a sleepover pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's... There's a really cool um, bit near the end where the animation is very impressive. Um, but outside of that, I'm just not that excited about it. Um, it's... It's a little... It feels like it's trying to replace and redo what they did in the first movie, and they just they just can't do it again. They just can't capture it. They can't they can't artificially build that ensemble again, and that's what made the first movie so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, seems like that's what that's kind of what I was expecting with it. Yeah, I mean, when you get something, when the Toy Stories are rare, right? It is rare for a sequel to even match the original, in animated or, or not. Yeah, they they do some fun stuff like Bill Hader plays a uh, or voices a character who is a uh, a spam bot, and he uh, is like trying to get them like a, a get rich quick scheme by like. You know, click on this ad. We'll double your money. Uh, <laughs> so he's he's a really fun character. Uh, Gal Gadot voices like the badass racer in this online racing game. Okay, and she's fun as a voice actor. And Vanellope von Schweetz's two songs she has in it to canonize her as a Disney princess are funny too. Sweet. Um, so there's still some good jokes. I put it at like three and a half stars, and I think that's where it should be. So it's like Gal Gadot is is reprising her role in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if she actually raced cars in Fast and the Furious or not. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, 
uh, go see that. But uh, we talked about those in descending order of well, what I think of them. So cool. Spider Verse, Mariah, Ralph, in that order. If you can only see one or two of those. Neat. So that's my uh, my roundup of animated movies, and I know you've, and now we're gonna pitch movies at each other, right? Sure. Um, only one of us has seen. Well, we've both seen the favorite. Should we talk about the favorite now? Sure. Let's talk about the favorite. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. So you hated it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's um, at least I think like top five for both of us. Yeah. Right now it's sitting at the top of mine. Yeah. And it could easily get there for me. Um, we saw it very, very recently as of this recording. And it's Jarvis Lantimos. So there's still a lot of process and remember about it. I yeah. might even watch it again if we, uh, or when we get our screener for it. <laughs> um, but it was really good. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, we're not going to go too much into plot because this is, you know, one of those movies where we've, like, it just came out. Right. Um, for a wide release. We essentially went out opening night. Yeah. And um, it is a... If you know Yorgos Lantimos and you know period pieces, it is exactly what you would think it would be. Right. It is a 50% like kind of period piece, uh, Victorian times, or I guess pre-Victorian times. Yeah. And uh, 50% like little Lantimos stamps right. spread out throughout the movie. Um, the one thing you get in this movie that you don't get, I think, in any Yorgos Lantimos movies to this point, uh, it is a showcase in acting. Yeah, it's... And it is, it is far less deadpan than, especially his English films. Yeah, I mean, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weisz, Emma Stone, even Nicholas Holt Nicholas in his Holt supporting role. Really good. They're just all great. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that like everything from the cinematography to the minimalist score is just like meant to highlight them. Um, there's, there's very little... Uh, camera movement unless it's almost like a West Wing style walk and talk other than fixing the camera in the center of a room and pivoting it uh, to kind of like follow and highlight and you know there's lots of talk in cinematography about you know like thirds mm-hmm. uh, framing in thirds he's dead fucking center yeah like it is it is full focus on all these actors all the time and, and when it pans from one to the other yeah it speeds up to get them back in the center yeah which it, is like super jarring yeah it doesn't it doesn't cut between two camera shots right it is a single camera that rotates on a pivot to them quick yeah yeah it's, it's, it's really cool so like arguments that happen between Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weiss or Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone are really fun because it's the camera darting back and forth between the two of them which fits the movie it's not it's not just doing it to be cool it is a frantic movie yeah and there's there's some really great like clever sound editing where um, they they play with the volume and like the muffled nature of dialogue with like foreground and background. So if if uh, Emma Stone is listing behind the other two characters and the two up front are having a conversation, it is quieter. It is hard to hear Emma Stone's com- like her contributions to to what they're saying is muffled and mumbled and cast aside. And it's 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 just really clever filmmaking to highlight how good that trio of actresses is, and is supported well by a strong uh, cast as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the movie. 
That's what I was being you were talking about before we recorded. I don't know how to where to dock at points. Yeah. It was paced well, it's thrilling. I mean, it's a political thriller, really. Yeah. Um and Olivia Coleman is just beyond fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think we all knew Emma Stone and Richard Weiss are incredible actresses, but Olivia Coleman, I mean, my only experience with her was in uh, Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Yeah, mine too. So, um, she was good. This is weird. I just realized this. Uh, Joe Alwyn is the guy who played Emma Stone's husband. Okay. In the movie. He was Billy Lynn. That was his first role in mm. Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. The movie was supposed to get nominated for a bunch of shit and kind of mm. flopped. Um, but this year, he's in Operation Finale, which I know was well-received. It's like a Israeli SS mm. thriller. Uh, he's in The Favorite, he's in Boy Race, and he's in Mary Queen of Scots. So, he's got a good year going for him yeah, so he, far. Yeah, he could, he's in the running for the, the CLJ. Yeah, it's weird that he's award. in Mary Queen of Scots and The Favorite, though, because those movies were paired in my head forever. Yeah. Though they're probably going to be nothing alike. Yeah, they're probably nothing alike. I just can't think of a better year for uh, The Favorite to come out than a year where a British monarch period piece is coming out. And there's so much about this movie that just satirizes like the monarchy and just how like ridiculous and opulent the lifestyle is and how bizarre it was before they, you know, when, when the English monarch was still the head of state. Yeah. Which when, is not the case anymore. Cause that doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. When the regent still had lots of power in the day to day operation. Right. Um, and it's, and that's, that's, that's kind of what the movie's about is, is it about the, the regency kind of ceding some power to like other heads of state, lords and ladies. Um, and kind of the like the slow process of that. That's the like the 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 big topic sentence before you start narrowing down into the hypothesis, right? Um, but it's that Mary Queen of Scots has to come out <laughs> against that is like, yeah, sorry, people are gonna watch both of these. Which and go, is crazy because it's got Mara Robbie and Saoirse Ronan in it. Like. Yeah, people are gonna watch Mary Queen of Scots and go like. Yeah, but didn't you like? They're gonna look at that to answer Yorgos Lanthimos' criticism of it, which it, which is unfair for Mary Queen of Scots. But right, I can't not think that that will happen. Yeah, but Yorgos Lanthimos, for for the talkie talkers who are present at this podcast, has been one of our favorite directors for a while. Um, you saw Dogtooth, yeah, way years back. ago, yeah, and uh, I've seen everything he's done that's been you know feature, yeah. Um, which is only three films, and they're all out there, and we all recommend them. Dogtooth, The Lobster, and... Killing of Sacred Deer. Which is the worst of those three, but it's still pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the favorite is phenomenal. It's probably... I mean, it's my favorite Lanthimos already, I would say. Yeah. So, go check it out. And yeah, it just... I don't know how to reiterate enough that Coleman, Stone, and Weiss are... Great. Phenomenal. You saw another movie that is in in your top five now. Oh, yeah. And I want you to tell me about it only because we had talked about it a little bit about like around when it came out, and then it disappeared with a whisper. And now that some of us podcasters here are watching it, I, I want to know. I want to know about it. So the movie's Tully. It is... Uh... Jason Reitman film starring Charlie Theron. Is this the sequel to Sully? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wally. Coming later. Um, yeah. It, uh, Charlie Theron, uh, Mark Duplass is in the movie. So it's weird. Yep. You already know when you got a Duplass. Yeah. Uh, John Livingston is in it. 
He's the, I guess, office space fame. He's, yeah. He's around doing stuff. Um, nobody else you would really know. I think you know the title character. It's, what's her name? I should have this bullet already. Is this, and is this written by Diablo Cody? Yes. Okay. Uh, Mackenzie Davis. Oh, yeah. Mackenzie Davis. I do know that name. She was in your favorite movie last year. Yeah. Um, she plays the prostitute who's not really the prostitute, right? Yeah. In uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. 2049. Um, she plays Tully, who is a night, uh, overnight babysitter, essentially. Okay. Um, they're the babysitters that, her, Mark Duplass is super rich. Yeah. In the movie, and that's Charlie Starin's brother. And Charlie Starin, they're not poor, they're upper middle class. Mm-hmm. They have two kids. Um, she just has the second one. So, like, it's an infant. Mark Duplass is like, we had a nighttime babysitter, it was great, we all got to sleep. They stay up with the baby, and when the baby needs to feed, they just come wake you up and give the baby to you in bed, let you feed, and they take the baby away. So, she wants to pay for one for her, because they're obviously super expensive. Right. And uh, that's Tully. Okay. This is the one that comes. And this review kind of, I haven't heard it said much, but... This was the thing that made me want to watch it. This is the last thing I'll say about it. It is a top five movie. It's ridiculously good. It was first described in an article I read as like indie adult Mary Poppins. And that is super accurate. Okay. So go check it out. It isn't what you think already. You'll watch an hour of it and it still won't be what you think it is. Really, really good. Cassandra also loved it. That's just a... Aside for you, Chris, that you and her tend to yeah. love the same movies, and it was it's one of her favorites of the year. Awesome, it's really good. Check yeah. it out. If it came out in November, Charlie Stern would be discussed for best lead actress. There's no doubt, and maybe McKenzie for supporting. Nice. Well, cool. Do you want to touch on your other two movies, and then I'll do my last two, and then we'll breezy in news. What does that say? Sea Asians. Oh uh, yeah, Sea Asians in movies. <laughs> Uh, I watched Crazy Rich Asians, which I think has an outside shot of getting a Best Picture nom. It's so fun. Yeah. And I don't know if you or Cass would like it as much because y'all know just more generally about Asian culture than I do. Um, but that kept me going on it because they dive hard into it. It's The plot is there's a, a very successful uh, first-gen American who's an economics professor at, like, Columbia. Obviously, super successful. And she's dating this guy, and he wants her to go home and meet his parents. Turns out he's from, like, the Biltmores of Singapore. Okay. Um, So they're going back to a wedding, and it is, like, the royal wedding in Singapore. So everybody she talks to there is like, oh, my God, you're dating this guy? Mm -hmm. This is crazy. Uh, And it's, like, it's rich Asia, so everything's turned up to 11. Is it crazy? It is crazy. Okay. (laughs) Um... Really good, like, little side performances. Um, I can't remember his name now. Who's the the real-life doctor? Got to start knocked oh, up. Ken Jong. Yeah. he's plays the roles he plays, but he does it well in this. Same for Aquafina. Yeah. She's hilarious as kind of her best friend. Um, and then you have this the other extreme side of, like, Asian family politics, which is... The really austere, like... Yeah, like, we have to do this a certain way. Yeah. Um, so it's... It, it, it is super fun. I gave it four stars. Um, there's really not much wrong with it other than that it's just a fun rom-com and they don't really try to do too much else with it. Okay. Um, 
but it's good. I mean, it's got every Asian actor or actress you could think of that's big right now. Everybody's jumping into this yeah. movie because Michelle Yeoh is really great in it. She, she's got a shot of getting nominated. I think she's probably the only one. She plays the super strict mom. Okay. Um, he's got like an even more strict grandmom, which is just like it's so nothing's like like nothing's bizarre. They didn't right. take any chances or anything. It's very like Asian romantic comedy kind of. Okay. It's just done better than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so I definitely recommend it for sure. And, and it's got a good shot at getting like a screenplay or a sporting actress and maybe just the best picture and nothing else. It might be that movie hmm. Okay. this year. So I would definitely check that out. Uh, a movie I rated higher and would not recommend to anybody is 22 July. <laughs> I don't even know what this movie's about. Oh, shit. You will totally understand. It is about the Norway summer camp massacre. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty much... So, <laughs> this is what happened. I went in thinking it was going to be like Elephant. Do you see Elephant? The Columbine movie? No. Okay, so I thought it was going to be like Elephant, which is... Uh, an hour in a 40 minute movie about uh, Dylan Cobold and the other guy I can't remember Eric and Harris, like yeah. everything leading up to and the finale is the combat the massacre right and then they kill themselves that's the end of the movie yeah that's what I was expecting this would be uh, what it is though is all about the aftermath and trial and all the shit, crazy shit that goes down in Norway after this like horrific event happens the first 30 minutes are just like detailed how this guy did it and it's it's everything I mean it goes from like the bombing in parliament that was like a red herring and you know shifted all the government there he goes to this camp and he's like I was sent by the government yeah. to come like debrief all the kids I need to get there immediately and I mean it's super accurate from what I, everything because I got kind of buried in the real story after yeah. this because I didn't know a lot about it um, the only thing that I knew about it was a guy dressed as a cop went to a kids summer camp basically like one by one lured them away and killed them uh yeah not really okay he goes as a cop there's no ferry to the island he's like i need the ferry i've been sent by the government they bring the ferry they just let him on he's got two big cases they're like what's in the cases and he's like weapons we don't know what's going on and they're like okay let's go <laughs> he goes the head of security for the camp comes finally ask him for id he says sure pulls out a gun executes the director and the head of security uh and then he just goes up to a field where a bunch of them are gathered and just starts blowing them away. Uh, he goes into, a, I mean, and this is all what happened. He goes into, like, they had collected all of them for his briefing. Right. And, like, so, like, 60 kids in a, like, little banquet hall. And he walks in, and one kid survived, and he said he kept talking about liberal elite people and just mowed them all fucking down with machine guns. Jesus Christ. Um, doesn't stop killing until the cops get to the island after they figure out what's going on. And, uh... The aftermath is fun because it is a political thriller, kind of. Mm-hmm. He pretty much says, you have to give me what I want or I'm going to let all the other attacks happen. And okay. it's them figuring out if he's full of shit or not. Right. Because um, he wants, like, immigration has to stop immediately. Nobody out. Nobody in, I mean. Mm. And if you don't do that now, the other attacks are going to happen and they're way worse than what I just did, which is kill, like, 80 kids. Yeah. So, it's them trying to play that game. And it goes to the lawyer that he asked for because the lawyer, like, ten years ago defended some, like, old Nazi guy. And he thought the lawyer was, like, pro-Nazi. Yeah. Uh, the lawyer's not. He's just a really, like, good attorney. Right. And all the shit he goes through, death threats for defending this guy. Because immediately he's like, we got to plead insanity. 
Yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> obviously crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's really good. Four and a half stars. Super accurate movie. I don't want to recommend anybody because I don't want anybody to feel that bad for like two days. You're like, I did it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, it's good. Right. Don't watch it. Um, wow. But it's on Netflix. It was, it's it's two and a half hours of that, too. Oof. Yeah. That's a real oofer. Yeah. So, do watch Crazy Rich Asians. It's a delight. I watched it after 22 July, too. So I was probably just, like, super happy the whole time I was watching Crazy Rich Asians. Because it wasn't Norway Massacres. Well, I've, I've got two palate cleanser movies, too. Uh, I saw Green Book. Not going to talk about it a lot. I want other people here to talk about it who've seen it. Yeah. Green Book is... is is everything that we've all the words we've used to predict what Green Book was? It did. Okay. So it's a fun movie. It is a buddy comedy. It is a road movie. It's got heart. It's great acting out of Vigo and Mahershala. So not in the race way, but is it kind of the hidden figures of this year, sort of? In, in, that, in that it's just like a good feel good movie. In that it would be hard for anyone to say they didn't like it. Okay. And that it was well acted. People are trying though. <laughs> Weirdo internet people. Yeah. Um, so see Green Book. Uh, the other one that I'll talk a little bit more about, but not at length, is I saw the official Israeli selection for uh, Best Foreign. And uh, that's the movie uh, The Cake Maker. Uh, the Cake Maker is a story about um, a young baker in Berlin who is gay. And who is visited by uh, an Israeli businessman, and it is clear that they have um, they're having an extramarital affair. Um, he is uh, the Israeli man is married in Israel, and it picks up basically on their last day together when he's in business on Berlin, and they're you know in uh, the baker's apartment, and on the way back from the airport uh, in Israel, uh, the guy dies, um, the businessman dies. So, the story is basically uh, the baker from Berlin. What's his name? So I stopped saying that. Uh, Thomas. Thomas. Uh, Thomas goes, moves to Israel, goes to the cafe that he knows that the uh, his lover, um, his lover's wife opened. Annette. Annette. That Annette opened, and uh, applies for a job there. And it's just a cafe. They just sell coffee, um, and you know some like kosher breads and so he's 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 a great baker and so they have this relationship and it is kind of a weird um it's not weird his motivations are kind of strange you know he's he's this shy gay boy living in like a very conservative part of israel um with the uh wife of his dead lover um so it's it's an interesting relationship, you know. There's there's lots of boundary crossing. Uh, it's a sweet story, um, and I would recommend it. Um, it's it's acted really well. Um, it's there's surprisingly a lot in English because you know Annette doesn't speak German and Thomas doesn't speak Hebrew and everybody over there, not everybody over there, but there's a lot of lots of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, some of the some of the more interesting, just like uh, like just plain. Uh, details about it are it gets into uh, uh, kosher law and kosher cooking and kosher kitchens. That's interesting because I don't know a lot about that. So so yeah, so they're like they know that this German guy is baking, but they know that he that he doesn't know kosher, and so there's kind of a, a push pull of like, well, 
they've got a lot of business because he's a great baker, but like, do they risk their certificate that says that they are kosher kitchen? Um, like, are they mixing like the like milk and eggs and like animal fat, or is this like all being like cooked in accordance to kosher law? So that's kind of like a like a subplot. Yes, Jewish. Okay, I I just have zero idea what that. Yeah, you could have told me it was like a rabbi blessed it. That's what it is, and I would have believed you. I have no idea. I'm I'm pretty sure you can cook kosher without being a Jew. Okay, but I'm not 100 percent on that. Um, That seems to be one of like the notes that's like, well, like this movie is Israeli, so everyone knows the rules. Sure. Um, um, Yeah, it would be dumb for them to explain it to themselves, right? Um. But it's it's really sweet. It's really strange um, because this is this is obviously a, like a relationship that is bound to be like come to a crashing halt because um, she doesn't know about obviously her husband's homosexual relationship with this baker in Berlin, right? And he has put himself in a place where is she he, will inevitably find out. Is he gay, Thomas? Yes. Like full gay? Yes. Okay. I didn't know if, like, maybe they were both bi or whatever. Or if that is even relevant to the movie. It's... Sexuality is definitely relevant to the movie. Okay. You know, he he reminds her of her husband, and she obviously reminds him of his lover. Right. So there's some interesting sexual tension there. Um, That is interesting. But... Yeah, it's got a 43 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes with 100% thumbs up, so... Yeah. Sounds like a... Like a if you're a, like a cinephile type, maybe a Green Book esque kind of movie. It's yeah. gonna be hard to not like. It's a really good, sweet movie. Um, you know, definitely sad in times because you know it's dealing with grief, but also also in the ways that grief makes us open up to other people um, and and sharing it. Which I know, you know, sitting Shiva is a, that is a that is a very big thing. Not big thing in Jewish culture. But Shiva is the idea of like opening your doors to people and your community coming and supporting you when you lose someone. Right. Um, I don't know if I'm reading too much into like the very cursory knowledge I have of like Jewish culture, but um, probably am doing a poor job of understanding it. Sure. But I recommend it. I think it's good. If it makes it in the top five, um, wouldn't be surprised. Cool. But it sounds like a foreign film that I would be happy to see nominated because it's, I want to watch it. Yeah. I get sad when they're like Holocaust movies nominated. Not that not, nothing wrong with anything. It's just like ah, I just don't want to watch a sad movie. Yeah, tell your stories. I just I just have to be in the right mindset to watch them. Yeah. So I mean, some of my favorite movies are that way. But with a movie like this, I can just like, do I have two hours? That's all I have to yeah. worry about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do I feel like reading a movie? Like yeah. If so, then like this is a great one. But yeah, if I'm like Schindler's List, I'm not just gonna be like, let's put that on. <laughs> let's watch Twenty Two July again. Yeah. Never. Never. <laughs> Um, so I think that clears our watch list. I do want to say briefly, I've been playing Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And I've been playing it too with you. And it is a great time. It is a great Super Smash Bros. game. I still haven't unlocked all the characters. <laughs> and I basically played it for two straight days. Well, we unlocked like five last night in about 30 minutes of gameplay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a, a novice review. If you... I feel like there are... A lot of people out there like me, which is like, I played some video games, I know my way around a controller somewhat, I'm not like an idiot when it comes to it. I'm also not good at video games at all, and uh, it's super fun to pick up and play. I mean, it's, there's two buttons, and yeah, I mean, you can get away with two buttons, I guess right. technically there's four, 
But there's like punch and jump and then down punch and like right punch and left punch and up punch. Yeah. And you can just fuck around with it and play. I mean, you'll get your ass kicked a lot, but it's super fun just to see what all the characters do because they're all different. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a, it is a geniusly just created game. Yeah. If you're like me and like I, the last one I played was Brawl and there were like 30 characters in that. I think I, like last count, like by the time we turned off last night, there were 70 characters. Like yeah, some of some of them are are what they call echo fighters, so they're just like a little bit different from their original, right? Um, but it's a lot of fun. I really highly recommend playing through the single player. Don't game the system like people are recommending online online characters. Play through the world of light. It's fulfilling. It's at the very least because you're unlocking stickers which represent some character in one of the universes they have licenses for. So, um, for instance. Um, like for a like a like a paratroopa, you know the turtle with the wings in mm-hmm. Mario. Um, you'll fight a Squirtle, who's a turtle, and the rules are like uh, the enemy is constantly jumping, like, and you have to beat him that way. But like that's like that's how they represent like a paratroopa without putting a paratroopa in the game, like with like a special rule set. Um, that's fun. Yeah. Or it'll be like Cranky Kong, who's, you know, Donkey Kong's grandfather maybe was the original in Donkey yeah. Kong the game. That's beside the point. Right. Um, where it'll be like um, all characters uh, move at like a quarter speed and uh, have 300% damage. So like anything that like hits you, like you die. Um, so that's it's just neat how they kind of like thought around that. Yeah. Um, there's over 1,100 songs in it, remixes, originals, like everything. I listened to a few last night. They were fun. Yeah, it's really cool. So I, I, I would pick it up. Apparently the online isn't great yet, and Nintendo is like kind of fumbling. Um, it's just like laggy. Yeah. And you can't say like, I want to play one-on-one with no items. It'll go, okay, I hear you want to play that, but here's a, a eight-man free-for-all. Right. Like they just try and get you in a game instead of the game type you want, which right. seems weird. It is weird. Um, but... Hopefully they'll work on it and make it better. But I recommend Smash Brothers. Before we go into what to watch and what's coming out, uh, I just want to bring up, we're just skipping Survivor this week, uh, but the finale's coming out, so we'll have a big Survivor talk. Yeah. Uh, in a week or two, uh, Christian went home. It's sad. Yeah. But he was almost too good for the game. I mean, too good at the game. Yeah. Not for the game. Um, yeah, no, no three people with him in it, they could have won. And... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say Davey had a good, I think, thought process. I think this was a thought process, which is my best chance is to just keep Christian around as long as I can. Hope I can make him make fire and hope he loses. Yeah. Um, like, worst case scenario, I'll get second. But they're never going to vote me out as long as Christian's in the game. Right. Um, and he's probably the second favorite to win now, Davey. Yeah. Um, like Davey a lot, too. He's a phenomenal survivor character. I yeah. I mean, this season's just been ridiculously good. Yeah. So... Keep up with Survivor, but the finale's tomorrow. If you're well, yeah, tomorrow. If you're listening, the day the podcast is released. Yeah. So uh, it'll be fun. But what's coming out next week? Uh, what's coming out in the future? Yes. So the uh, it's it's basically Christmas week. Um, not not exactly the week of Christmas, but this is these are your your holiday like go with your family to go see movies. Yeah. Lots of family movies here. We've got Aquaman. Jason Momoa, Aquaman. It's getting good reviews for a DC movie. Not Wonder Woman good, but better than everything else. Yeah. I think you said it was a 3.4 average on Letterboxd. On Letterboxd, which is... Harsher. Yeah. 
Um, then we've got Bumblebee, the spinoff Transformer movie. I haven't looked at reviews for it yet. I was so excited for Bumblebee. I'm not so excited. I was so excited compared to how excited I was getting for Transformers movies, which, which was not. I will never watch them. <laughs> um, but we saw a trailer at the favorite, which yeah. is no, it's Spider Man. I was like, yeah, Bumblebee trailer, the favorite. <laughs> no, there's a Bumblebee trailer. <laughs> um, it did look as good. Yeah, but I'll I'll still watch it when it comes. I'm not I'm not gonna go to the theater to watch it. I'll think, but yeah, the first theatrical trailer is uh was so much better and way more enticing. It's like this one. It seems like they were like, okay, but y'all know we do have Optimus Prime and like, yeah, not Megatron, but what are they called? Megatron? The bad Transformers. Oh, oh, Decepticons. Yeah, so we still have them in this movie, and it's like, ah, I was so excited for like not having that. Yeah, it's like, it's like Rogue One when like all of a sudden the Force was a thing, and I was like, oh, you could let the Force out. Yeah. Yeah, when it was like, this is still a war for Cybertron. Right. It's like, fuck God damn it. it. Yeah, that's, I, I laughed out loud when we got that show in the theater when they played like the hologram that was like Star Wars style. Uh, it was, yeah. Optimus Prime was like, Bumblebee, you are sent to protect Earthlings on Earth. <laughs> it's like, you fucking jokers. Like, <laughs> cut the shit out. Earthlings on Earth. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mary Poppins Returns also uh, widens out. and Big sleeper for Oscars. It could get like six... Four to like eight nominations. Yeah, high ceiling, low floor. Yeah, so it could get none, but it'll probably get three. Could get I assume it'll get a music of some kind, but right. it could get zero. Lin Manuel Miranda, like right. Um, but yeah, no, it could definitely get best picture, sound, sound, song, song, song mm-hmm. score, actress. I mean, it could easily end up. It could get song, song, score. Yeah, just can't get three songs. Right. Um, and then welcome to Marwin. It's the Steve Carell gets hit in the head based on true story. It looks like it's really fun. Yeah. Adult plays with action figures and recreates this fantasy world where he's the hero. Like. Yep. Um, a, a Jennifer Lopez movie called Second Act that I know nothing about. All right. And I'm not going to look up. All right. And then a documentary, uh, kind of, by Peter Jackson, They Shall Grow Old. Um, it's He took... <laughs> Sounds sad. He took um, uh, archival footage from World War II, I think, um, and uh, did ADR work so that you could like hear the dialogue and recolored it, or colored it and remastered it. Um, and so it's kind of a, um, a documentary-ish kind of just like look at the lives of soldiers on the front lines. Um, Sounds fun, but using right. only our, our yeah, it's it's really technically interesting because um, it's just like it's all the original footage, and they just like added color and they colorized it. Is what I'm trying to say, right? And they added you know voice actors, so cool, interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't think we're gonna like hard recommend anything. I mean, Mary Poppins Returns has the highest ceiling in all kinds of ways, being yeah. the best movie, and it'll. It'll cross off a few nominations for Oscars, I'm pretty confident. If you see one of those first four, I think you're fine. I think, I think they're all going to be fun. Yeah. Aquaman's going to be fun. Bumblebee's going to be fun. Mary Poppins Returns is going to be fun. It might get nominated for shit. Welcome to Marwin's going to be fun. It might get nominated for visual effects. Yeah, I mean, Marwin's probably not the most family movie, because there's some Nazi violence yeah. in it. But, um, I don't know. It also looks really funny. I was watching the trailer right before we recorded this. There's a great scene where it's just blended between real life, uh, like animated action figures moving and just action figures. Yeah. 
Uh, but it was a funny one where it's like a guy falling out of a clock tower. Have you seen that trailer? Yeah. <laughs> he's like screaming. He's like, ah. And then it shows him just his action figure hitting the ground. He just like breaks in two. <laughs> There's like no blood or anything. It looked fun. But it does have some darker themes. But uh, Mary Poppins won't be an Aquaman or Mary Poppins fun also has really family. dark themes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what does she keep in that purse? Hate. God. <laughs> but that's it. Anyway. This has been Talkie Talk, podcast from MediaBias.com. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at our groups, Movies Bias, TV Bias, Games Bias. You can send us an email at TheMediaBias at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at TheMediaBias. You can rate our podcast, and we would love you for it. I think that we want that as our Christmas gift this year. Um, five stars, preferably. Who wants a three-star Christmas gift? Um, we want to give a special thanks and shout out to our intro music providers, the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. And the outro music by Boo Reefa. Catch them both on Spotify. Yep. Hey, TJ, thanks. Thanks, man. Alright. Bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know